Hey, can I tell you a secret? The secret to getting a great shave without any nicks, cuts, or irritation isn't three or four blades, a soap strip, or a swivel head. It's just supporting the blade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just supporting the blade. Don't let it flex or bend. That's the secret to limiting shaving irritation. At Henson Shaving, we use our 20 years of aerospace manufacturing to keep the blade from moving. It's not the coolest answer, but it's the right one. To learn more and to get 100 blades for free, go to HensonShaving.com holiday. How long was Neil Armstrong actually on the moon? When did Europe start speaking English? Did Marco Polo really go to China? Curiosity Stream is the streaming service for all things history, plus science, wildlife, and more. What's the real story behind the Mona Lisa? We've got that. What caused the collapse of Rome? We know. Where did we find mankind's earliest ancestor? Come find out. For the holidays, get the gift of curiosity with 25% off gift cards for your curious cohorts. It's holiday shopping season at curiositystream.com slash gift. Ladies and gentlemen, grab your coffee cup, grab your water bottle, and join us for the last ever episode of Game of Thrones. I, Gary, the last of his name, am joined on this momentous occasion by Matt in the North, the King of the North. The King of the North, come on, the, it's the, the last North. time we've been doing well, this for six weeks. Now you're an independent state, I suppose you still can be, Matt, the King of the North. Uh, but we're also joined by a special guest. Uh, no, it's not Bran the Broken, it's Stephen the Broken. Hey. How are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. I, 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 how, how do we all kind of feel? What's your number one emotion? After having watched the episode, without going into it too much, just what's your number one emotion, Matt? Go on, on Stephen. Oh, go on, Stephen. Disappointment, probably. Okay, that's good. Right, Matt. What do you? What's your number one emotion? Uh, apathy. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with both of you, but I'm going to I'm going to go for wasted, as in I feel like I've wasted the last eight years of my yeah. life. Uh, <laughs> not wasted, as in a, yeah. We'll, we'll move on. Brief. Um. Firstly, I feel like we ought to talk about something that's been gaining a lot of traction uh, whilst we've been uh, discussing Game of Thrones the last couple of weeks on Gary Goes Westeros, uh, is the the petition. Now, I saw there was one in the UK, but the big one, I suppose, is the one in the US where uh, somebody started a petition to have the last series rewritten by somebody competent, uh, I, I think was the was the major thing. I mean... And I know that some of the stars now have been reacting badly to this and saying, you know, like, there's no chance we're ever going to come back together now because of this. Not that there ever was. But, I mean, Stephen, do you feel like a petition has any merit in this situation? Do you feel like this is overkill for the fans? I think I can understand the motivation behind the career, behind why people are disappointed in it, because it's definitely not been the final season we like the entire fandom was hoping for but I mean a petition's taken it too far because like all of those people spent I mean wasn't the battle alone took 55 nights to make I mean there's no all of the money they spent on the dragons and the CGI I mean there's no chance they're going to get it made now I mean maybe maybe they're making a statement against the fact that it was such a disappointment but I just think the whole thing's pretty pointless in this scenario I think, Matt, one of the things that people have complained about is that Dan and Dave, the two main showrunners, have had their eyes slightly off the ball because they're looking at their next job, which mm. is working on Star Wars. Do you, do you think that's had any impact on the series? Yeah, this was mentioned, actually. I went to an event on Sunday um, in Manchester at the Pilot Light TV Festival where they had a panel discussing Game of Thrones and we watched the um, the Bells episode on the big screen. Mm. Um, and... Um, they had uh, Ben Crompton there who played Dolores Ed in the series. Oh, yeah. And he was talking about, you know, Dan and Dave wanted to move on to their next project, only want, you know, wanting to sort of finish it up in a hurry. And obviously we can see that from what, what's happened. And they also did mention in that the, the petition that the, uh, the cast's uh, WhatsApp group, there were some interesting comments on that about how they're going to afford it, et cetera, et cetera. Um, everything, you know, as you said, Stephen... Mm the CGI alone and things like that. It's, it's, it's unrealistic, but yeah, I think it's more, it's like the Brexit uh, one, isn't it? The Brexit petition that went round 
um, to call a second vote. That never came to anything. It's people sort of registering their disappointment a little bit, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, the Brexit one I can understand because there's actually a thing in the UK where if you get a petition of more than a certain numbers, then it has yeah. to be discussed in Parliament. There, there's no rule that says that this has to be discussed in HBO. I think, uh, it, I think this should be discussed in Parliament. Well, <laughs> please, no. Come they on. got Jeremy Kyle axed. Well, I don't think that was necessarily a petition. I think that was just time. Uh, <laughs> uh, at the, so, moving into this episode, uh, uh, firstly, I mean, obviously, we're coming off the back of the scouring of King's Landing, as I'm calling it. Yeah. Uh, and, and we're kind of dealing in, in the first half, really, with the aftermath of, of the devastation caused by Drogon and Daenerys. The first couple of scenes really are kind of slow and people walking through. I did like the bloke sort of flayed skin walking past Tyrion. It did remind me of walking through Catford High Street on a Saturday night. Um, So, I mean, there were some interesting touches, but I I felt like the whole thing was a bit slow and I kind of knew where it was going to lead. Matt, did you did you feel that? It's this sort of like the debris and and these the the sort of remaining Lannister soldiers being executed and things like that is that where we're talking about at the moment yeah that, that kind of the opening shots where yeah her with john it. and davos i like the shot of the um daenerys with the dragon wings so we get away that far yeah, yeah. well that's kind of the end of this bit but yeah i mean it, 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 uh, yeah there were some great there were nice great... shots but yeah. I, I suppose it's the impending sort of almost setting um daenerys up as the darth vader of the scene with the Unsullied and Dothraki is her sort of um, stormtroopers to an extent, yeah. sort of thing. I, I didn't mind the fact that you didn't go to her immediately. I did like the fact that you built up the tension. But, but Stephen, do you feel like you know we've only got six episodes in this series? Do you feel like we needed like a ten-minute, not real much plot intro? No, I think I definitely think that the news at the store, the main Game of Thrones part of the arc was coming to an end, and they just completely wasted the first maybe seven or eight minutes of the episode before you got to Daenerys. And I think my biggest problem with the fact was there was so much uh, concern and everything with people about Daenerys's turn, which I didn't particularly think was very believable. And the fact that you didn't see her at all in the episode after she made the decision the last time and then they kept her off screen for very la- a very lengthy period of time. So you didn't see her initial reaction to like whether she felt she was wrong or anything. That's right. It was just like coming out and making this statement. And I mean, I love, loved a bit of with, with the dragon wings. And I'm, some of my favourite pieces of the show in the past have always been her, when she spe- speaks her speeches in Dothraki. But I think that it was very cleverly, cleverly for the wrong reasons, executed to avoid having to deal with the, yeah. her turn, if you know what I mean. I, I think really the turn is all done via facial expressions and then the actions right. of Burning King's Landing. Her words don't back up the kind of relation to the Mad King. And I think the yeah. problem that you've got with that is we never... The Mad King is not a character in this yeah. show. The Mad yes. King is a, is, is, an, is a historical character. Yes, he's been mentioned and referenced, but not not in a massive way. So... I, I feel like you're kind of giving that nod. You're kind of fan, it's kind of felt like fan service a little bit. In fact, a lot of things in this episode felt like fan service. Yeah, definitely. Um, we move on to probably one of the touching scenes, and one of the other things we do, Stephen, in this, this series is we talk about who the best actor of the episode was. So get primed and ready for that later on. Uh, but Tyrion discovers the um, the dead bodies of Jamie and Cersei and has a moment. Um, I, I felt this was inevitable. I know some people have complained online, well, you know, how did he know where they were? Well, he knew where they were heading, you know, yeah. he, he guided them down that pathway. I mean, this was one of a number of kind of touching moments in this episode that we felt we were going to get as a final episode. Now we got the battles out of the way, we were going to get more pathos. Yeah. Did anyone, I, I kind of felt a little uneasy, you know, although he knows he loved Tyrion, where, where did this love for Cersei hide itself so well over eight years? Or was it just because he's well, Tyrion's, Tyrion's love for, Cer- for Cersei? Well, yeah. Why? I mean, you got the impression that he was crying over both of them, not mm. just Jamie. I think there's sort of a sort of fraternal affection there, but not sort of. You know, he does say later on, you know, my sister was an evil woman. I think he recognised 
who she was, but that doesn't, you know... It doesn't omit it's your sister, I suppose. Yeah, you know, it doesn't omit the fact that, you know, that someone who he cared about in Jamie had this great affection for this woman, and I think maybe yeah. he, was, he was emotional about the fact that they'd sort of, you know, died together. He, you know, he was the last one of the, of the Lannisters now, is he? Is that um, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, well, um, what did they do? Yeah, Lance all got blown up in the... In, in, in the Red Keep, and I think I know they killed the uncle in the book, but I'm not. Well, sure is that why Tyrion was allowed to get the votes for you know when they were around because he's the only Lannister left? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah, good point. Yeah, he probably yeah. is. So, but I, 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 you could sort of see that coming. That the first thing he would see would be the Golden Hand. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I suppose that was that was a nice touch, you know, in the sense that uh, the only other thing you could have done was the sword, but I suppose the golden hand was much more memorable. I think um, also, sorry, I think also the fact that, uh, I mean, I had problems with the way that Cersei and Jamie died, but the fact that it was almost like a th- when you saw their bodies, it was a throwback. Do you remember that line somewhere along the lines where Jamie said he would his ideal way to die would be in the arms of the woman that he loved? So I thought that was quite yeah. nice. They actually got to see that. I think it just, you know, the whole Maggie the Frog prophecies out of the window, you know, yeah. the Valencar thing. I know, again, not a big uh, show thing, but the fact that she would die at the hands of her little brother. and, and but, you know, Yeah, and again, you know, this was brought up during the, the Game of Thrones panel at the, at the Pilot Light Festival. There was, a, there was a speaker there who was saying, you know, she had spent eight years sort of obsessed with Cersei Lannister and to see her die in that way was almost like a disservice. Yeah, I mean, like a lot of the other bad people in this show, you know, like but like Ramsay or or um, uh, or I've forgotten the name. Joffrey. Joffrey, thank you. Got <laughs> satisfactory killings, and we didn't get that with Cersei at all. Yeah, you know, it, we I wanted Arya I to kill her, but it didn't happen. It, you know, she wasn't a sort of comical villain in the term like a Joffrey or a Ramsay. You know, they they were no, all but... bad. You saw the layer. You know, she had an affection for her children. She had a softer side. She was a layered yeah. character, and I think that's what people liked about her. She wasn't just this tyrant. There were moments where the mask slipped a little bit. Yeah. You know, the, like, the shame walk as well, that's one thing that, yeah. you know, that Lena Headey did awfully well. And, you know, I don't think her. she... Did. I think it was a... It was a... It was her expression, though, wasn't it? Yeah, it's her face, yeah. but not the rest. Her, her, her facial ex- acting, Gary. That's you know. true, OK. Um, but what I'm saying is, you know, I, I think it was a struggle to know in what way to... You know, did, was she going to get, like, a sort of villain death? Because she's not a yeah. true villain. Yeah, or is she... So I think they maybe went the easy way out in terms of give her sort of an emotionally charged death. But I don't think... I, I can't see many people being satisfied with with Cersei's death. I think no. also the fact that she was off screen for most of the season also made this like the final kick in the teeth for people who actually liked Cersei. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, she she didn't really have a big series eight arc at all, really. No. End. Um, at one, uh, the the next kind of bit is is that a little confrontation between John and Grey Worm as Grey Worm is executing some Lannister soldiers. Uh, th- there's not really much here, but it does show you that Grey Worm isn't now properly evil like the Queen, I suppose. It's it's kind of re-emphasising that, you know, she... And, and the next scene where you see her uh, proclaiming her victory in front of the Dothraki and the Unsullied does kind of show to you that, you know, as you say, that kind of Darth Vader stormtrooper, these are her most loyal. These have been her troops, the Dothraki, since Series 1 and the Unsullied since about Series 3 or 2. Yeah. You know, these have been her... My only concern is I just felt there was too many of them. Yeah. I, I feel like for continuity, you know, in episode three, you know, the battle at Winterfell, yeah. you know, the Dothraki we thought were, were completely wiped out, yet there was more of them that came back. And the Unsullied seems to have multiplied yeah. for a bit, through this series, which I, I don't know if that's something they do. Um, well, it's not, some, it's not something they can do, sure. <laughs> no, well, true, yeah. But, you know, well, <laughs> maybe they just found a separate, you know, maybe they found another bunch of them in a room they hadn't worked out or something. I don't know, but it just seemed, I know what they were, they're going for the grand scale, but it just seemed to me like it made a bit of a mockery of the common sense. Yeah, I think that it was just another plot convenience and there's been far too many of them this season. Yeah. Um, as, as Stephen alluded to, uh, she, uh, Daenerys gives her Dothraki speech. Uh, uh, we go back to the breaking of the wheel. 
uh, a lot in this episode. And I feel mm-hmm. like, yes, we, I know that was a big thing when she took over Marine, but it hasn't really been mentioned for a couple of series. I think that was getting slotted in a bit conveniently. Yeah, um, I had mass, massive problems with that because... I feel like that was the motive. That was the original motivation in her wanting to pursue the crown. And then somewhere along the lines, I think it was halfway through season seven, but mostly at the start of season eight, it mostly just became about power. Then, so now it's inserting the breaking the wheel bit back in after she allegedly broke. I just thought it was yeah. completely convenient for the plot. Yeah, and it, and it didn't really to fit in. It didn't fit in with the Mad Queen thing either. Yeah, exactly. It goes back to the time when she was doing things for just reasons. Yeah. you know, freeing slaves and stuff like that. So. It didn't quite seem to work out. I, I think the good thing about it being in Dothraki meant that... It's time to get your checking account to zero with free checking from PenFed. That's zero ATM fees, zero balance requirements, and zero time spent waiting for your paycheck to direct deposit because you can receive it up to two days early. Open your account with just $25 and see how big zero can be. Apply online today at penfed.org slash free checking. Early direct deposit eligibility may vary between pay periods and timing of payers' funding. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Here in Key West, we were out before it was in. In this open and inclusive paradise, you can be yourself, make new friends, and savor our live and let live vibe. With LGBTQ plus friendly accommodations, our legendary nightlife, and year-round activities and events, it's always a good time to come as you are. Key West, close to perfect, far from normal. Neither John nor Tyrion understood, and I think that worked quite well. Yeah. We, we've seen before that Tyrion has a sketchy knowledge of Dothraki, and obviously John has none. So I think that was quite good. I felt a little underwhelmed by Tyrion's uh, resignation, shall we call it, where he just no, kind I of li- like... I liked that. I thought that was well... I thought I, I liked that, you know, the, just the throwing down of the, you know, the, the, the resignation that he knew his, his days were numbered if, if Daenerys had survived. You know, it's like, right, this is what I think about you. Here's the yeah. badge. Get on your bike. <laughs> I mean, yeah, the only thing I didn't like was that he didn't really say that much. I mean, here is a man who has an awful lot to say and he's probably... I think that was the point, though, wasn't it? Like, I don't know. I think it expressed more of the fact that he was disappointed in her rather than angry because he, he built her up to be this, like, messiah figure and then she wasn't. Yeah. I suppose with all those people around her that, you know, if he'd been angry, you'd have been killed there and then. I'm not angry, I'm just disappointed. Yeah. Um, that's, yeah. yeah. Tyrion's explaining as a parent to Daenerys, yeah. <laughs> uh, it's your fault, not mine. Um, so now we move on to two very key parts of the episode. The first is the conversation. So Tyrion is arrested, and his first kind of only visitor is Jon. Uh, and, and this is essentially the, the crux of the whole episode, really, of these two scenes. The first one being where Tyrion explains to Jon that he really is the only man that can do anything about it. He's the only person that can get close to Daenerys that possibly she will listen to. And, and and I think maybe for me, this is where Peter Dinklage just stamped his authority as possibly the best actor in the whole bit. I, I think this is this was his kind of like, they wanted to give Tyrion a really big send-off and they gave him another one later. But I think this was the, this was the better one. Just this impassioned speech, this broken man uh, explaining, you know, I've failed in everything I've done. I couldn't control her. I couldn't do... I'm not as good as I thought I was. Uh, yeah, I, I agree with you that Peter Dinklage was excellent, absolutely excellent in the scene. I had a few problems with the scene. I think the fact that he ended up re-explaining Daenerys's whole arc was almost like the writers were trying to justify their reasoning for turning her bad, if you get what I mean. it was. A, I thought some of it came across a little expositional. But John wouldn't have known all that. He right. hadn't been with her. So I suppose, I, I, I see what you're saying. I suppose I can justify it because it was to John. Not yeah, to yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. But and, and Peter Dinklage was absolutely excellent in that, definitely. I like uh, that little line as well about Varys' ashes and, and yeah. to me. He will be telling me I was right for all of eternity. He was right for all of eternity. 
yeah, a, a little, a little uh, throwback. I, I, again, you know, they, they did some little nice little throwbacks to other characters. And we'll come on to that later. But my disappointment is still that throughout Series 8, not one mention, not really one mention of uh, Littlefinger. Uh, but there you go. Um, we move on to the crucial scene. So Daenerys approaches the throne of the, the game, you know, the Game of Thrones, the Iron Throne, uh, in the scene reminiscent of her. Sorry, Gary, did you mention the scene with Aya and jo- Aya and John together? Well, yeah, Aya did her kind of creepy, um, <laughs> some of her parkour and her creepiness, where she just basically appeared out of nowhere. Um, John must have been slightly worried, Alan the but Night King. You know. I suppose this, as well as the scene with Tyrion, I think this this was another influence on him. You know, Aya saying, right. um, you know, she, you'll ne- basically saying you'll never be safe because you'll always be a threat to her because you're yeah. the, you know, you're the the true heir sort of thing. You're trying to make yourself kind of feel bad for Jon Snow in this situation because he's it's kind of inevitable what he has to do. Yeah. Because, as you say, Arya is right. You know, the Danny might seem nice and polite at the moment, but she'll always know that he, who he is, even though he denies it. Really, he denies the being the rightful king and the heir, but she knows he always will be. I don't know. I I I wasn't as impressed with this that bit. I thought I I still felt Arya being there. And and John's face was kind of like, yeah, what are you doing here? Yeah, and there was that kind of thing. Yeah, what are you doing here? I didn't feel Arya fitted in the last two episodes at all. Yeah, because her arc sort of wrapped up then after the third episode. Yeah, I, I could have done without her, but I mean, they needed someone to be inside the castle, I suppose. But yeah, and I suppose as well. The, you, you say the arc finished. She did want to kill Cersei, so that was a yeah. yeah she was the last person kids. on the list. The last two people on the list. Yeah, mm. the mountain and her was yeah. So. She never got the hangman. No, well, uh, he he unfortunately. Well, no, Wilco Johnson didn't die. He, no, he had... but but his character never came back. No, no. It's she... Interestingly, uh, though, no, he's, he's the only person left on on Aya's list. In in the, the book, it's his character that trains Jamie to fight with his left hand, not Bron, uh-huh. uh, because he can't speak and therefore he wouldn't tell anyone. Quite a clever bit that bit. Um. So obviously the next scene is the, the death of Danny. So first of all, she approaches the Iron Throne. She has a conversation with John where she talks about this amazing moment where she couldn't count to 20 as a child, which I'd have tested if I were her. Um, and and John, John reaches in for the kiss and the betrayal and kills her. With the line, um, you'll, you'll always be my queen. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, boy, did this feel flat. Yeah. Just like, I know there are there are some good surprises and this was a bad surprise. And I think some of the online stuff that apparently uh, Amelia Clark has been saying in relation to Series 8 now kind of makes sense where she's been saying, oh, you're not going to love the ending. And, you know, yeah. I imagine she's yeah. a bit annoyed about the death of her character basically had the worst death of the series, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. I, uh, I have to say, I mean, I've liked, I've, liked, I've liked most characters throughout the whole show, but Daenerys was in my top two, and I was extremely disappointed with the way they ended her arc. I just thought that it was, as you said, it was very predictable. It was so obvious that they were going to make it like a hero versus villain, like the, a Song of Ice and Fire title suggests. Yeah. But I don't think they had enough time to make it believable. I think I know they did foreshadow her downfall, as you said earlier, Gary, with the House of the Undying and then Bran's vision of Drogon flying over King's Landing. But I think they painted her as a completely different character the entire way through, as though she was rebelling against her heritage. And then at the final moment, they were like, actually, do you know what? She's the Mad Queen. And because of that, I think the death did her a complete disservice because it came across as though they were building her up as the big antagonist. But because until like the episode before last, should had a crucial role in saving Winterfell and stopping the Night King. I didn't buy that she was the big antagonist of the series because we'd watched her grow into this like messiah hero figure the entire way through. So I think yeah. even even on top of the fact that they just didn't do her arc justice, I think her death didn't wasn't done particularly very well because throughout the entire series I've been dreading that her John or somebody was, was one of the main characters were gonna die when it when the narrative didn't call for it. And even at that, I, I'd been prepared for myself that she was probably going to die after the events of last week's episode, but I didn't particularly feel any emotion for it, which 
I never thought would happen because I thought she would have an excellent death, at least like have gone out yeah. of here or something like that. So I just the whole thing did not work for me at all. I, I I think I would have taken her falling off the dragon into the sea more than yeah. you know. I mean, I, 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 the accidental health and safety death. I don't been know. In, been injured in a dragon-related accident, wasn't you? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, cool. I, suppose, oh, I suppose the argument would be that you know it was stopping her before she sort of became even you know more and more tyrannical. To, but her to speech one. to John did not imply that mm-hmm. she was going to take the dragon i mean it, it, certainly her speech to the dothraki and the unsullied implied yeah the war is not over we've got worlds yeah. to conquer yeah but and her, her, her speech, to, speech to john didn't even try and justify her actions it basically was just kind of a we've done it you know we're here you know i have the iron throne come celebrate with me yeah um and and then his betrayal with a kiss you know very very shakespearean you know very I thought so, yeah. yeah very just these very... two people in a room together you know one dagger and and a, a fi- the final words were very Shakespearean. Um, yeah. I, I agree with that. Um, and I think as well, you know, the the influence of other people, you know, in John's ear up to this point, yeah, yeah, was part of the reason for it. But I do agree for you. It was very anticlimactic. I think um, yeah. I, I would agree in terms of this character. I I think I would have been a little better if this had been the last scene, but unfortunately, yeah. I think at this point there was still another forty-five minutes to go. You need to get uh, your admin done. <laughs> well, yeah, I need to Most get furni- episode I need to rearrange admin. furniture. Yeah, it was ep- the rest of it was epilogue. I feel like this is where the story oh. really ends. Yeah, no, I agree with you there, Stephen. I think because a sort of like the end of each season of Game of Thrones, you do get an episode like this, but. This is the last ever episode of Game of Thrones. Yeah. It didn't feel like it was. And I feel like moving on, like we've had character deaths at the end of, ep- like at the very end of episodes that were maybe weren't as a crucial to the plot and whatever, but this was one of the main players of the entire story. Yeah. And because they painted her as some sort of antagonist over like an episode and a half, all of a sudden we're supposed to be like almost happy. And then they move on immediately to like those scenes of them planning for the future and making jokes about cousin Edmure uh, being sitting, making silly speeches that you're like, but we didn't get time to process that. But yeah. then that comes down to the overall structure of these really long episodes. I, I I suppose if I was going to give a best dragon performance, it would be Drogon here because yeah. um, he, he the only appears, one left. Well, yeah, but I mean throughout the whole eight series, yeah. I think this this was the best piece of uh, animated acting I've seen since probably an episode of The Simpsons. Um, <laughs> so Drogon appears, uh, and he kind of he kind of knows, but he kind of tries to push. Uh, Danny, this was a very kind of like I don't know. This reminds me of like an American seventies film where the dog finds the owner alive, dead, and does yeah. the same sort of thing. You know, pushes them and sort of you know, and then just uh, this guttural, absolute reaction of burning the Iron Throne. You know, she never actually sat on it. I don't know whether that actually occurred to anybody. She yeah. never actually. She put her hand no. on it, and that's yeah. the closest she got. And didn't and, she put her, she put her hand on it in the uh, House of the Undying as well? She never got to yeah, say that either. That's right. Yeah. So she never never actually broke the wheel in that sense. She never got yeah. to sit on the Iron Throne. And, and now then no one ever will. Well, that's right. Well, unless they remake it, but yes, they, I do uh, agree. Unless they get Gendry to build a new one. <laughs> well, I was say, they've got a perfectly good blacksmith hanging around doing nothing, not knowing how to work a knife and fork. So he better do something. Uh, that 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 was quite good. I did feel that then Drogon carrying off was quite poetic. Again, a little, I'm not going to say Shakespearean, I suppose, in that sense, but a little a little fairy tale-ish, you yeah, know, yeah. The, the dragon carrying off the queen, you know, the fairy Disney. princess. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and and then and then we fast forward, and we're not really sure how long. Uh, we're Two not weeks. able to tell. Two weeks. Well, the only thing was is that both Tyrion and John had beards, mm. uh, so therefore you couldn't really tell because they were just didn't a bit they, more. Didn't fragged. they mention at some point it had been two weeks? I'm sure they did. I'm sure someone had a line. Stephen, am I not? Okay. Am I imagining it? No, no, I'm pretty sure you did. I'm pretty yeah. sure somebody said something about yeah. it being a couple of weeks or something. Yeah. Yeah. So we return to Tyrion being brought out of prisoner by Grey Worm and he's brought before the Dragon Pit, the, the, the scene that we saw at the end of Series 7 where everyone came together. And we've got the remaining houses. So you have Sansa, Bran and Aya representing the Starks in the north. You have the new Dornish prince who didn't get a line. He <laughs> might have said yes, actually. Uh, so, oh, you know, I, I, I. I, yeah, he might have said that. Uh, you had, um, now it's, 
it's Sweet Robin uh, from The Veil. Uh, the actor had grown up somewhat since his last appearance, but it was the same actor. Yeah. And he had um, somebody, he had a, an advisor with him who was in Winterfell as well. He also had, now I always get this wrong, because in, in the book it's different. Is it Ash Usher? Usher? From the Greyjoy. Oh, Yara. Yara, because it's different yeah. in the book. It always Yara Greyjoy. Yeah. They're playing slightly the spoiler. I mean, they needed someone who disagreed with everyone else, so they brought yeah. her back. Uh, and then, random, and then it, it's like Ed Tully, who just, you know, like that was comical, but for all the wrong reasons. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So Ty- Tyrion is first brought before them to decide what to do. He kind of is kind of shut up by Grey Worm. He, he, you know, he keeps going back to this line that, you know, the decisions you're making aren't yours to make. We have no king. And, and he basically holds what effectively is a king's move. Uh, that we got for the Greyjoys. You know, he kind of puts out his um, theory that the, the king yeah. should be chosen by this panel of people. And he, apart from Sam's hilarious idea where they might have a vote, and we all know how that went, Brick. We, we agree. We <laughs> actually said that might, what, might be happen, what might happen. Actually, though, Gary, we did predict that there wouldn't be an Iron Throne, didn't we? So We, we actually did got say that. And I did predict that Drogon would sit on the Iron Throne. He pretty much did. <laughs> I don't know whether that counts. What do you... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. No, no, actually, you did actually call this next bit, I think, if I remember from last week, and I disagreed with you because... I'm an idiot. I, I, knowing knowing George R. R. Martin's work, he 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 doesn't like these feudal systems where you get um, people get power because of who their parents are. But he's also not a true democracy person. He's not a, a liberal. He does have some conservative views in his world in his other writings. So this idea that he says that kings are chosen and that, you know their children are not to be taken on board as being just because they're you know the next next generation. So he, this goes back to his, his views and his politics. But they basically agree with Tyrion's view that Bran the Broken, the first of his name, uh, should be king. Uh, Bran is pretty much a vegetable at this point. Is <laughs> this the right choice? <laughs> Stephen, what do you think of it? Uh, I, I can see the uh, attraction in the idea that he has all the stories in his mind from past and future and everything. But from where the three-eyed raven arc was going, I feel like this was a complete 360 backwards. I don't understand why he was chosen. And I suppose having a character like him in the show is a problem to begin with, because if he can see the future, he could literally have stopped everything from happening. But I I don't really, I don't get, I don't get it. I mean, no. I'm not a massive, fan, I'm not a huge fan of Sansa, but I think she would have possibly been the the first choice, especially because Tyrion himself said in the first episode of the season how loads of people had underestimated her and it was sort of setting her up to be a ruler because in the North she made better choices than Jon sometimes. So I don't know, I think Bran was an odd choice for me. And, and I think this whole idea where she suddenly, well, not suddenly, I suppose there has been this whole thing about the North seceding and saying where, but it, it doesn't sit right. It kind of feels like the silver medal for her uh, that, you know, you can't be queen, but you can be queen of that bit. Yeah. Um, uh, and your brother, your younger brother is going to be king of all this bit. And, you know, he's pretty much a robot. And I don't know, it, this whole bit, you know, felt like I just want to get as many characters in. You had Sam, you had Brienne. Yeah. I just want to get as many characters who, are, you know, even even Davos said, I'm not sure I get a vote or why I'm here. And I kind of felt like, yeah, Davos, we think that, too. Yeah. Um, you know, we're not sure why you're here either. Um, it just felt so awkward and clunky. 
to me. And the acting, I don't think, apart from uh, Tyrion's speech, didn't feel particularly joined up at all. Like there was, you know, this it felt like the last day of school and everyone was keen to leave. Yeah, and that that's kind of how this whole series has felt. You know, I mean, I I point to the coffee cup and the water bowl. And by the way, if you're not aware, somewhere yeah. in somewhere in the scene where uh, Daenerys is giving her speech in Dothraki, you can apparently freeze frame, and there's a water bottle hiding behind one of the Unsullied. Um, look, look it up; it's quite fun. Yeah. Uh, it feels like this multi-million-pound production has kind of lost the idea of fine detail which has always been something in Game of Thrones yeah. that people have praised it for is its attention to detail Matt did you feel a little bit let down by this 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 turn of events what brand big brand becoming yeah in a way yeah because they sort of set him up as you know I'm not Bran Stark anymore yeah they keep saying I'm not Bran Stark anymore oh no I'm Bran Stark again now because because we need yeah. we need a king um you know, I can understand to an extent why they did it in terms of, you know, Tyrion's logic sort of made sense. But, you know, he's he's the king who doesn't want it. But I suppose that that's what they were talking about, you know, with Varys. It's best to have someone who doesn't want it on the on to be the king, I suppose. Um, but no, I, I thought, again, it, the way they went about it was was a bit damp. A bit, yeah. You know. And and then to turn around and sort of name Tyrion as the hand of the king. How many blo- how many second chances are, is, is this bloke gonna get? <laughs> is he, I, is I, this the third king now? He's been or monarch. Um, he was on. Joffrey's hand for a bit. Daenerys temporarily. Is. Daenerys is. And now yeah, Brad. yeah. Um, yeah, and you know he's not got a good track record. Like, no, no. I, I I wouldn't necessarily make him my first choice. Um, but uh, yeah, and they decide Jon Snow's uh, uh, outcome at this point. So the, the the Dothraki and the Unsullied are unhappy that, that now this is a huge plot point, a plot hole that I didn't yeah. like. Okay, here here we go. The biggest plot hole of the bit. Who told them that Jon killed Daenerys? Yeah, it John, had to John, have been Jon. Jon, because Jon is you know I think they've set up his character as this good and honourable man who always tells the truth, always does the right thing, is incredibly wet, and would have said, yes, yes, I killed her. Well, I this c- is also the man that broke his vows and had sex in the cave with Egret when he was, you know, he's, <laughs> yeah, he's, not, you know, he's not the pure of the pure. I, no, no, that, you know, he's a, he's a randy beggar, I'll give you that, but, he, sure, but... He, he w- he's not someone who would murder someone and then lie about it. Just thinking back to other series, I'm just wondering. No, I, I, I think right. he, he's honourable in terms of going, yes, I did it, this is why I did it, here you go, do what but you want. the whole me. thing could have been fixed by Grey Worm turning up at the end and seeing it. It's such an easy, yeah. stupid no, I agree little that. fix yeah. that, that drove me mad for about 20 minutes after the episode. I went back and watched that scene. I'm like, surely someone comes in at the end. Why not? Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think it's even, you're right about it being so convenient. I think even, remember, was it, it was in season five, wasn't it, when uh, Daenerys and Miss Andy and all were caught in the, the fighting pits of Marine, and it looked like, you know, the end yeah. was coming for her then, and then Drogon magically turned up. I remember reading up that uh, there's a, that it's le- left up to the viewer to insinuate whether it was just a coincidence or whether the fact that uh, she has some sort of otherworldly connection to her dragons, which I- I'm assuming was pro- proven again in this finale because Drogon knew immediately as soon as she died. But if she did have that all- otherworldly connection, how come the dragon didn't arrive just before she was about to be killed? Like, there's a lot of... In, lot- in the book, they do a much better job of explaining that, I suppose, because they've got yeah. to do it. That is, it is that he smelt the number of people because of the fact that they closed the fighting pits and Marine was quite decimated and desolated. Uh-huh. He was attracted to the number of people. But you're right, in the show, it was like, my queen is in trouble, I must exactly. go down. <laughs> but yet, conveniently, when she dies, yeah. he's not going to be seen, yeah. So, um, one of the other uh, parts that we get here is that we get, the, as you say, now we get the, we now get what almost like feels like a Marvel post credit scene bits. Where yeah. every character gets so so Jamie gets his send off by the fact that uh, Brienne writes in the book uh, of his you know of his adventures you know this massive. How book. long did that bloom into? Quite the fast writer, you know. <laughs> so uh, what else do we get? We get Sam bringing. I know this is slightly big, but it's a big point. 
we get Sam bringing the book called A Song of Ice and Fire, which just made this feel like uh, The Hobbit uh, and uh, and Lord of the Rings Very more than clumpy. anything else. Um, I didn't even like Sam wearing the Arch Mesa uniform. I don't know why it just didn't seem appropriate or right. Um, we get a king's we get a king's council uh, with Tyrion rearranging chairs for what felt like an age, and then we get. <laughs> Funny enough, Bronn is now the master of coin, despite the fact that he's probably never had any in his past. Yeah. Uh, we get who was the master of ships? Was it, it was Davos? That made sense. Yeah. Uh, Brienne as the Queen's Guard, that makes sense. Podrick survived out of everywhere, and he's now the chief wheelchair pusher. He's he's now a sir as well, was that? Oh yeah, well he's now not he's he's wearing the same uniform as her, yeah. So he's been yeah. knighted, but his main job is to push Bran around by the looks of it. Yeah. Uh great job. Um He's the king's guide dog. Um, and, I mean, what else do we get in this little bit? I suppose we discover a bit more about what's happening. John has been told to take the black again. Uh, even though we don't really need a, a night's watch because there are yeah. no others. Uh, and I would have thought it would be more important to others. The this, it's not lost. Sorry, well, they're called the others in the book. Sorry, the, <laughs> they, they are like... called that in the book. Sorry, my mistake. The free folk. Uh, the free folk and the white... Well, no, because the rest... they built the wall for the, for the white walkers. Yeah, but aren't they, aren't they? Don't they not refer to themselves as free folk? No, that's what that's what the um uh the the, the, the Tormund's lot called themselves the free folk. Yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Sorry, that's who. No, I no, mean. no, no, no. The wall was built to stop the White Walkers. Yeah. After yeah. after the long yeah. night. Um. Sorry. Yes, we're we're getting into you know possible prequel ideas there. <laughs> um. Sansa decides. Sansa gets crowned in in Winterfell. She is now the queen. She has got fully what she wanted but again as i say her arc kind of is she a long time the queen ago. or is she like the guardian of the north no she wants to it's like um it's like dawn in the original series where they considered themselves separate from the seven kingdoms ah. because they said didn't they bran is the king of the six kingdoms mm, yeah uh, so the north is excluded she's the queen of the north uh is that mean she's your wife matt no 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 okay fine she married to uh, a jonas brother isn't she well it's a similar thing being married to you, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and uh, Sans Arya does the strange kind of, I'm going to go and sail across the Sunset Sea and explore what's west of Westeros. That feels like a spin-off idea to me. I are in west of Westeros. That's, yeah. that, that sounds I mean, like the, a Game of Thrones spin-off. There are various bits in the kind of in the in the accompanying books, like A Song of Ice and Fire, and the history books that says what happened to people who go west of Westeros. What, I would what happens to them? Uh, they never come back. Mm. It, it's assumed that there are Kraken and all sorts of evil things west of Westeros. Well, there's a but then, so, then there you go. There's a there's a sequel for you. Yeah, maybe I would have much rather. I'm disappointed that nobody ever made it to a shy, but there you go. Yeah. And, uh, you know, so much there was so much talked about it. As, that I'm disappointed that no one ever went near it. I suppose when we're while we're on Aya, no face swapping or anything really yeah. in, in this series. No, or, no, or no. Re- really, the only face shopping she ever did was to kill a uh, Walder Frey. Yeah, that was the only time she used it uh, to her advantage. Well, and in oh, I suppose yeah, she killed, yeah, she killed the guy who, who yeah, oh, yeah, good point. Eric Trant, wasn't it? That's right. But uh, again, you know, as you say, she spent how many seasons in uh, in Bravos two, and all she got yep. was a bit of parkour and a you know a bit of face you know a bit of water dancing. You know, <laughs> feels, feels like a bit of a wasted holiday for me. I'd ask my money back. Um, what else do we get in our wrap up that was important? Not much. I mean, that's the problem. The wrap up didn't really feel like it was important at all. It didn't. And you just got John, as you say, with the Night's Watch. Tormund made a. I don't think he had any lines, did he? No, I would have liked to have seen a funny line. Mm. I um, suppose we got the um, the direwolf return as well. I, if I was gro- if, if I was ghost, I would have turned my back on him. He left him there to die. He left <laughs> him said, you know, off you go with Tormund and didn't even say goodbye. I would have said, stuff you, mate. <laughs> Find your own way up north. Um, as we're coming into land, I, I suppose really there are. We're all not happy with the episode itself. I think it's fair to say that yeah. we're all not happy with the series. I think, you know, there were some good parts to the series, but we're not happy in general. I, I think it peaks halfway through, really, didn't it? I think yeah. it peaks with the, the Battle of Winterfell. And, and to me, I said this last week, and I really feel that if you'd swap the first three episodes round, started with getting rid of the, the Cersei and then coming on to the, the, the Night's King, I would have felt much better. Even yeah. if you'd allowed it to be Aya killing the Night's King, 
right at the end of episode six. I would have felt better for that. And Gary, you've been saying throughout these podcasts we've been doing that Game of Thrones shouldn't end with a happy ending. And we got, you know, it was bittersweet for, say, like Jon Snow and things like that. But generally, you know, it didn't end on a, like, evil, like, you know, all the nice characters got nice things happening yeah. to them at the end. I mean, didn't they? even even the Unsullied, who now appear to be all, you know, free, are off to Narth, you know, because that's what, you know, Miss Andy wanted to do. Everybody seemed to get a bit of a good send-off. And, and do and, you feel like you would have been more happy had it not been as sort of, you know, finite and happy and everyone skipping off to their various corners? And No, I, I, I wanted complete chaos. I, 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 I wanted, if, if Daenerys was going to blow, was going to burn down King's Landing, I wanted wildfire to blow the whole thing up. Yeah. And for her to be the only one left or something like that, and then wandering around on the throne in the throne room, knowing that she's got no one to rule because there's no one around, you know, I mean, I would have been much more for the dramatic, you know, uh, hell like ending. Um, and, and Stephen, what about you in terms of, you know, how would, how would you have liked the ending to be? Did you like it how it was? Would you have liked, like Gary said, more chaos? I, I, I'd always expected it to not have a happy ending. And I was shocked at how I won't say happy, but relatively yeah. happy it was. I, it personally, the ending that that happened was nowhere near the ending I thought we were going to get before season eight started. I assumed there, there were a lot of red herrings thrown in over the years, like as you said with Bran, that were the three at Ravenark really didn't go where you thought it maybe would have went. And then also there was a lot of references to whether Daenerys was able to have children because remember the witch in season one told her she wasn't wouldn't be, but then Jon Snow told her last year to not take the word of a crazy witch. So I thought maybe that. Their, they were going. To, she was going to get pregnant, and their child would have been the prince that was promised, and he would have, yeah. he or she would have been the one that would have broken the wheel. But from where it went, I sort of zoned out, properly zoned out, and just watched it for the sake that it watched it the entire way through from about episode four. So from where it went, I would have also agreed that it should have ended completely chaotically, and that Denira should have got the throne, and it should have, you know, insinuated that this is this is the problem with a. Uh, craven power and all the havoc that comes with it and that it's pretty much just that it started in chaos and then it ended in chaos i did not think we were going to get like a half an epilogue episode of everybody getting their sort of happy ever after i mean we we opened the series in series one with the threat of the white walkers you know and the thing and and they didn't feature in the last three episodes and Mm -hmm. it feels like a disappointment um to me for that um as we draw close, we'll come up to our, uh, we'll come on to our actors who we think deserve for the most for this this episode. But Matt, was there any more from the uh, event that you attended in Manchester? Was there any more kind of thoughts or, or, or information that you gleaned from that about this? Um, no, it was just very interesting that um, I think having one of the actors there, having Ben Crompton there, and him saying, you know, he the only the only time he got to take his family on set was the day that he was he was due to die. <laughs> Um, and how anytime you bring someone on set, they're, they're asked to sign a massive waiver. Even his five-year-old daughter, who could barely write her own name, had to sign a waiver <laughs> to say that she couldn't say anything about what was happening. Unless she says something like, Bran Flakes is the king, you know, or something like that. <laughs> yeah, know. yeah. Um, but, yeah, no, it was just, it was nice to see. There were people who were very passionate about the show. It was good to see last week's episode, which did sort of deserve a big screen showing the Bells episode. It was really good to see that projected onto a big screen. Um, And there was like people there cosplaying and stuff like that. So it was was interesting to watch it with an audience, I suppose, a big sort of... You dressed up like a dragon. Yes. Um, (laughs) But no, um, a wildling. Um, But no, um, yeah, and and, um, Matt Zoller-Seiss, the US TV critic, was there and sort of comparing it to other sort of big shows like like this you know sprawling political shows a lot of the panelists there were saying they'd like the final episode to go back to the politics which i don't think it really did because the, the well, politics it played in this, with them a little yeah, bit but yeah the it politics didn't... in this final episode was everybody agreeing yeah that that's not the politics of game <laughs> no, of thrones at all no. no not what you've come to expect no, but but no it was an interesting you know because i don't think i'm as passionate about the show as, as you two are um, and it was interesting spending time. I mean, the couple next to me had managed to vo- avoid spoilers for six days. 
Um, so we have some sort of medal for this, that. Yeah. This, this was their first, it was interesting sitting next to someone watching their first reactions to this episode and, yeah. all, and all the deaths in that episode, obviously. <laughs> so yeah, it was it was a good it was a good time, and it, thanks for the guys at the pilot light for inviting me there because it you know it, it did it did you did see what a phenomenon this was and how many how much people have invested into the last eight years and I can understand you know your disappointment and and yeah. fans' disappointment and why people would be signing this this um, petition. I, I wouldn't event. sign it. I think no, it's no, pointless. But, but I, as I, you say, I, yeah, yeah, I understand it. It's yeah. more marking your sort of disappointment with yeah. the series rather than... I think, realistically, a lot of people signing the petition know it's never going to happen, but yeah. it's just sort of a way to mark your... I mean, the, the, the same fate awaits us book readers because, of course, you know, when, when you think that the TV show started... Well, I think it was about nine years ago, wasn't it? They did take a year yeah. break somewhere down the line. The books, or the first one was in the 70s, wasn't it? Or in the 80s. I mean, that's like, there's like 30, 40 years of disappointment coming if George R.R. Yeah. R. Martin does something similar. Uh, so I suppose there's there's more to come. As we talk about more to come, let's just firstly reveal that I believe around 3.2 million people stayed up till four till nearly 4am on Monday yeah. night to watch Again, the simulcast. A lot of people at the event I was at were saying they were going to stay up to watch it. I yeah. think I think they slightly missed a trick. Well, no, they wouldn't have done it. Wouldn't have worked with bank holidays. But one more week, and I think they would have probably got more people staying up. Sky would have had the biggest audience at three in the morning ever uh, <laughs> in this country if they managed to make it with a bank holiday. Um, I, I, I'm guessing this series will have phenomenal figures, but the feedback will be, you know, as we all said. Stephen, who was your actor of this episode? Um. For reasons that we discussed earlier, I would probably be inclined to say Peter Dinklage, but I have to say, as an overall season, I think Amelia Clark's been excellent this season, even though the material for Daenerys was the worst this season. I think her acting was sensational. I think so, but for this specific episode, I'm going to say Peter Dinklage. Okay, and uh, Matt, that's a good point, not only for this episode but for the series. Who's you been your actor? I think. Peter Dinklage, and I, I would say I think we've picked him most weeks, haven't we, when we've been mm. talking about um, this this series as a whole. I know, you know, Maisie Williams had bits and bobs where I got to shine, but I think every time Peter Dinklage has been the focus, he saw, he has really shone. Um, I think we would. I remember us talking about the first episode of this season, saying he didn't really have a lot to do, but you no. Know, since then, he sort of Boy, flourished. Did that change. Yeah. And you uh, go so with... you're, you'll go with Diggers. Uh, in, in a slight change, I, I, I'm actually going to go with Drogon for this episode, <laughs> uh, just to be different. Uh, but I'm going to go for Peter Dinklage uh, for the series. I, I do think the, the, the Tyrion character is something that ha- has been the most reliable, mostly because he's been alive for the whole eight series. Uh, but I think he has been the most featured. And I do think that Peter Dinklage is an outstanding actor. Uh, and and I I don't I now don't think I could see anyone else doing this role. Um, I, I, even when I read the book, I hear his voice mm-hmm. uh, doing it. So um, and that's not the audio book. He doesn't actually do the audio book. Mm-hmm. So uh, uh, there is that. Um, Can we see this winning any Emmys this year? I mean, I'm sure it will win some for the, the, the sort of like this the side technical the, the SFX and the music and stuff. I mean, possibly Dinklage for acting. I mean, you know, because I mean, the last the last season won best drama. It did. I, yeah. I I would feel a little cheated if it did because it's not as good as last year and other years. But yeah. I suppose I mean, The Return of the King won you know the most Oscars because it was the last film, um, and it was also quite good. I suppose there is that kind of thing where the Academy, you know, the Emmy Academy will sort of feel that you know the end. This is the end of an era, uh, the end yeah. of this kind of the first of the epic television shows you know these kind of movie quality television shows of which they're now going to be not only is there going to be a lord of the rings television series coming soon uh we we, i was going to mention that the the first prequel that apparently we're going to get is the long night uh which i've mentioned before is how the wall uh was created was built and and around the azora high prophecy and there are some actors and actresses already uh uh, to that i think julia styles is going to be in it is um, Naomi Watts? Naomi Watts, no, sorry, no. not Julia Stiles. Naomi Watts is going to be in it. Similarly blonde, you know. Um, yeah, that, that's, yeah. That's, that's as good as it gets with me. Um, 
Any final thoughts, Stephen? Uh, I guess I appreciate I appreciate it so much of what uh, season eight tried to do, and I think the narrative itself could have. I, I mean, personally, we all have our own desires of how we would have liked to see it end, but the narrative that they'd chosen for it to end, I think, could have worked brilliantly had they had more time. Things like. Uh, well, I actually, I, I didn't have a problem with the series until after. I know a lot of people didn't like the Long Night episode, and obviously uh, it was very dark. But yeah, literally. I, yeah, literally very dark, yeah. I know I think it looked good, like in 4K or whatever, in years to come around Blu-ray or whatever, but oh, yeah, general... I think, TV, sorry to cut you off, Stephen, but I no, think yeah. even watching it on the big screen, the Bells episode, there were still bits that were dark. Into, you know, I think that's just the way it has been shot. Yeah. Yeah, I, uh, I wasn't a big complainer of that in in because I mean you know this is the night you know I mean it's supposed to be full of terrors, yeah. uh, so I didn't re- I didn't, I understood why people complained but I didn't particularly agree I thought I could see what I needed to see or what they wanted me to see. Sorry, uh, Stephen. Sorry, I've cut. You no, off. no, not at all. Uh, but I mean after after that episode, I think everything fell apart for me. Like if you'd have missed that fourth episode. You'd have no idea what was going on. Far, far, far too much happened in. The, I think it was at the last of the Starks. So, uh, yeah. like, far too many. I will not even. I'm not even. I'll be here all day if I go into the whole like, conveniences and the dragon. Read Stephen's reviews on the website. Yes, yes, yes. yes. <laughs> go to uh, thecustardtv.com and read Stephen's reviews for further further information about how Stephen feels. Mm. Uh, but yeah. I, it was, it was a massive disappointment for me. I finished um, I, um, the final shot of the episode. I didn't really feel anything. The final episode, I didn't yeah. really feel anything. And before it started, this was quite possibly the most excited I had been for any TV series ever. So yeah. upon reflection, I think this was quite possibly the most upset I have ever been at how a TV, a television season or ending for that matter turned out because it just felt like everything was rushed. The material was there but it just didn't get the room to breathe that it needed. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, I never saw The Sopranos when it happened. I never watched Breaking Bad when it yeah, was on. Yeah, Or The Wire, you know, as it was being shown. This is the first show that I have lived from beginning to end yep. with this disappointing ending that, you know, has left me feeling empty. So I think, uh, I mean, we had The Americans last year. Um, yeah, you and Luke. Have, me and Luke, yeah. which I think did the ending much better. They did sort of... They foreshadowed it and they sort of did a believable ending that was satisfying to an extent for those characters. And I can see, you know, what you two are saying. And I agree. I think the the most damning thing is last night I'd watched the episode earlier on and then thinking, oh, I've got to watch Game of Thrones. And then thought, no, no, I've already watched it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Stephen, before I ask Matt about his final thoughts, where can the people find you on Twitter? Uh, my Twitter handle is at Mr. At Mr. SJ, Mr. Underscore SJ Patterson. Okay, and thank you so much for coming on with your thoughts in this uh, in this in this in the final episode, Matt. Any any final thoughts? No, as I said, you know, it just sort of I I think forgettable really. I yeah. mean, I don't know how much in, if they thought that fifth episode was just that impactful final episode, like we get in Game of Thrones, the sort of pattern of it is penultimate episode massive battle final episode bit of tidying up whereas here we you wanted something a little bit more because it was the final episode you wanted a little sting in the tail and as as you both said as steven said particularly after daenerys's death that was that felt like the end and then this is the this is the epilogue here now and people can find you on Twitter at Matt's TV Bites. We'd yeah. all love to hear from you about your thoughts on Game of Thrones or any other kind of television. And at Custard but, uh, TV Pod for the for the podcasts. And uh, my name has been Gary. I don't really have any final thoughts because I think I've been expressing them over the last six podcasts and many before. Uh, how have you felt going Westeros again? It's felt weird, but it's felt good because this reminds me more of my Twin Peaks episodes as well. Mm. Uh, when I did that with Mike uh over series three because it's been separate to your main podcast yeah uh and you can find me on twitter at the gary show uh tell me what you think of this and whether you think the, the prequels will be any good and stuff like that and i leave you reminding you that game of thrones is over and that winter is at an end goodbye bye what's this a song of ice and fire Archmaester Ebro's history of the wars following the death of King Robert. 
I helped him with the title. I suppose I come in for some heavy criticism. Oh, I, I wouldn't say that. Oh, he's kind to me. Never would have guessed. He's not kind. He... He what? What does he say about me? I don't believe you're mentioned. <laughs> every day, every day. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.